0: Welcome to the Movie Time Capsule podcast, where each episode I tell my guest that the world is ending and that they must place the movies that had the biggest impact on their life into their own movie time capsule. Today, my guest is Alex Horowitz. He works at Disney, and that job has taken him to some of the biggest movie premieres you can imagine. He's been on set for Marvel movies. He's been a part of some truly one-of-a-kind movie experiences. In this episode, he'll talk about some of those. We'll unpack the movie that makes him cry... And it's a Pixar movie. He's gonna tell us the line from Wayne's World that he quotes the most in his daily life. We'll talk about the war movie 1917, some Star Wars, some Back to the Future, and more. Let's go.
1: It is time to talk about movies. All your favorites, all your loved ones. We will hear them and we'll cheer them. It is time for movie time, Capsule.
0: Today, I have the privilege of talking with a true movie lover, a Star Wars fanatic, a back to the future, aholic. He is a husband, a dad, a world class beatboxer, and he is really good friends with Mickey Mouse. Please welcome Alex Horwich. Alex, thank you for having me, Luke. Thank you for coming on. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm excited for this. This is going to be a lot of fun. One thing I really like uh, about Alex is whenever we hang out or we're at a party together, he just skips right past all of the common pleasantries. Hey, how's it going? What's going on? He just goes, hey, so did you see the new Star Wars trailer? Or hey, did you what did you think of the new uh, Spider-Man movie? (laughs) We just go straight into movie talk whenever we see each other. And uh, I love it. I do care how you're doing, though. I know. I mean, but (laughs) (laughs) who who really cares? I mean, I appreciate it. But. I would rather talk about more movies than how my feelings are. It's the it's the common thread between uh, all all great things and all great friendships. I think so. At least at least in Los Angeles, it is. (laughs) (laughs) We've gone to many Star Wars movies together at midnight showings. We have both showed up in Jedi costumes randomly to a Halloween party. Unplanned. Unplanned. Lawrence of Arabia. At the uh, at the Cinerama dome, Cinerama Dome, yeah, a lot of great movie memories. Um, and today you are working for Disney Plus, doing their social media marketing for them. Can you kind of inform us of what that what that kind of looks like for you? And I see your Instagram, and I you, you have done lots of cool experiences through Disney. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been with Disney for just over five years now, and I mean, as you'll see from <laughs> from some of the the movies that I'm going to name in a little bit, um, you know, Disney was a big part of, of growing up for me as, as I'm sure it was for a lot of people. Um, but to, to be able to work for the company as I got older was really a dream come true. And then in that, in the position that I, that I have been in with the team that I've been with, um, I've been able to attend some of the biggest movie premieres, including, um, the last few Star Wars premieres, uh, Endgame, Infinity War, Black Panther. Uh, I've been able to attend the opening of attractions at theme parks. So I was at the opening of um, the Guardians of the Galaxy attraction at California Adventure. I was at the opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, literally a week before the world shut down due to COVID um, <laughs> at Hollywood Studio Disney, Hollywood Studios in uh, Orlando, um, and then I was at be able to be at the opening of both galaxy's edges um both here in california and in florida so i it's, it's really cool and i've been i went to the set of infinity war i i've had a lot of really great opportunity um throughout the company both in television parks consumer products uh and then of course in movies that have been really unforgettable things and you know I can't wait for things to kind of get back to normal so that I can get yeah. out there and, and get
0: my hands dirty again. And um, one show for Disney Plus that you that you were a part of uh, was I think one that not a lot of people know about, maybe talk about, mm-hmm. uh, but it's an awesome show that I love, uh, Prop Culture on Disney Plus. And um, one of the things that you got to do, I think, during that re- recording was you got to go to someone's office
1: yeah. So Prop Culture, if you haven't watched it, it's a great i, I I'm truly I, I feel like I need to put an asterisk on this whole podcast and this whole conversation. <laughs> I'm not a corporate shill. Um, I will <laughs> I will very much say if I do or do not like something. Um, however, I got to be kind of embedded with the um, with the, with a production team for Prop Culture uh, for all of their L.A. shoots uh, as they were preparing for the show. Um, it's a really, really great show on Disney plus I highly suggest watching it. Um, they go into each episode is its own film, um, it, within the Disney library and talking about the props and costumes and set pieces that kind of make those movies and goes into the history and shows, um, cast members and, and filmmakers, those things from then, but shows them now. And yeah. So, you know, you get Jane Banks from Mary Poppins reuniting with her dress and, She gets very emotional. It's very heartwarming and touching. Fantastic. But um, but yeah, one of the coolest things that I got to do with the show uh, was they went to Walt Disney's office, which the Disney archives has preserved on the Disney studio lot. And they brought in uh, Richard Sherman, who's the songwriter for many, many Disney classics, but uh, Mary Poppins in particular. And so I got to literally see the snow globe from Mary Poppins sitting the one sitting on Walt's piano that has been, that was Walt's piano in the sixties while Richard Sherman sits down at the same piano. He probably sat down hundreds of thousands of times with Walt sitting right beside him. Um, and Richard played feed the birds and it was, it was like an out of body surreal moment. It was really something
0: else. That is so cool. And Mary Poppins is my favorite Disney movie. So like Mm -hmm. that is I am so jealous of you. That is probably the coolest (laughs) Disney story I've ever heard from anyone that works with the company. At
1: one point, Richard Sherman was touching things on Walt's desk Mm -hmm. and the archivist who was sitting next to me was like, usually I'd be freaking out if this happened with anyone else. But like. Those are probably notes that he left Walt. like we preserved everything as it was the day that Walt died. So the things that are sitting on his desk were the things that were sitting on his desk when Walt died. There may be something from Richard sitting in there. Yeah. So I kind of can't tell him not to. <laughs> <laughs> he may have put it there. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it was a out of body moment. It was very, very
0: cool. It's like a time machine almost to just exactly witness that. Speaking of Time Machines, uh, I know one of your favorite films of all time is Back to the Future. Um, Just to, I guess, maybe explain to people how much you love that movie and that series. Um, What are some of the memorabilia things or the, you know, maybe props, replicas that you own that can sum up your Back to the Future love?
1: I have like... Four or five in varying sizes, different uh, DeLoreans, um, model DeLoreans, whether they're die cast or a little bit bigger. I got one. I got one for the first movie. I got one with the Mr. Fusion on the top from the second movie. I, like, yep. I got it all. I have a, um, I have a it's not Funko, but it's kind of like Funko. I don't know what the actual brand is, but I have a, a Marty McFly sitting on my home office desk. I have a Marty McFly sitting on my real office desk. Um, <laughs> I have the I feel like it's in this drawer next to me but I'm not sure. I'm not going to dig for it. But I I have the newspaper from when um USA Today did the the special edition print on the uh on Back to the Future day on oh. in October a few years ago uh, of 2015. Um I have the newspaper. I I just love it. I, it's I'll get into it a little bit. More a little bit later because it's <laughs> it's on the list and I have some very specific things I want to say about it. But it's just it's it's timeless and it's something that um, for anyone that's on Letterboxd, I'm on Letterboxd. Follow me on Letterboxd. <laughs> um, but I have one of the lists I have on there is um, half I call it half to stop and watch movies. Yeah. And it's not necessarily I mean, some of the movies are my favorite movies but it's not necessarily a list of my favorite movies it's just movies where and we all have them where it's just like oh it's on tv i don't care where it is i'm going to turn it on you have to stop and watch and all three of those are on there because i don't care if there's 10 minutes left i don't care if the whole movie's left i'll sit and i you have to stop and watch
0: yeah you can't deny it i feel like i don't know so many people in our friend group in our generation I think when that movie's on, it's just something that you're like, yeah, I'll watch that. It's funny. It's exciting. Um, you know, it looks amazing. This the set pieces from every from every um, movie.
1: My now wife, then girlfriend, um, for my birthday, I think it's the first birthday that we were together. Um, she had never seen any of the Back to the Future movies before. And she bought me tickets to the triple feature at the Egyptian in Hollywood. Oh. Um. And she, not only was a trooper and um, stayed awake through all three, because I think it started at like three o'clock in the afternoon, so it went until rather late. Yeah. Um. But she actually, and she, Luke knows because he is he knows her very well. Um. She's a she's a a hard one to crack with movies. Um, she <laughs> yes. either very much likes movies or she very much does not like movies, and we got through after each one I was like so and she's like that was really good I liked that, that was fun. <laughs> um so she she's on board she loves them um and that's uh I think that's when I knew that she was the one so oh my god
0: <laughs> Kelsey approval on back to the
1: future which honestly is the hardest stamp of approval to get so
0: yeah i mean do you well we'll get into that later <laughs> get into more kelsey <laughs> stuff later <laughs> okay so Alex, the world is ending. We're not sure if we're going to make it. We need to put your movies into a time capsule. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to go. What is the first movie you can ever remember watching? Cool.
1: So the first two movies I can remember seeing in theaters, um, which I guess would be the first movies that I really remember watching, are Aladdin and uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, which both came out, I believe, in the same year, which I think was 92, um, 92 or 93. But those are the first two movies that I can have a memory of seeing in the theater. I don't know if those were the first movies I saw in theaters, but those are the first two that I can remember.
0: That's I mean, Aladdin's a great first movie to see in a theater. That's there's so much going on. That's also a timeless movie that uh, I think I can you know watch today and it's still so enjoyable Mm -hmm. and of course robin williams and you've got one of the cool things about that movie is the the carpet chase escape that was in oh yeah 3d i'm not sure what they classify that as but that is still so cool that was quick like 20 seconds of just
1: get out of the cave as fast as you can and i i still to this day i don't understand why they haven't in any of the disney parks you know there's however many there are at this point how that hasn't been turned into some sort of roller coaster? Because I, yeah. from a from the time of of being a little kid, I was like that would be the
0: coolest ride. Yeah, that's a, that's a big miss right there. I'm surprised that there yeah hasn't been. I honestly thought that there was. They just that they eventually <laughs> got rid of it. I didn't ever heard about it.
1: <laughs> At Magic Kingdom in Orlando, they have a um like a Dumbo style ride where you ride the magic carpet around and it goes up and down. Mm. Um, but still, there's. There's definitely I think at one point there were plans for one like back in the day, back in the early 90s um but it just never came to fruition. But yeah, it's I mean Aladdin is is still one of my favorites. It's 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 another one that you can just kind of go to. It makes you feel good. Um it makes you feel like a kid. And then the other one that I mentioned was Muppet Christmas Carol and it actually my friend who I my coworker um who's a Muppet savant. uh, He told me, which I didn't know, but apparently is true. It is the most accurate movie retelling of Charles Dickens, a Christmas Carol that exists. Oh, what? Um, And that's something that, um, that Brian Henson and the team were really like adamant on doing. And Michael Caine accepted the role of Scrooge saying, I'm not going to do this like, kids movie. I'm gonna do this almost like a Shakespearean actor. I'm gonna treat them up. It's like they are real humans and real, really next to me. And everyone at at Jim Henson Company was like, yeah, that's exactly what we want. And I think that it just elevates all that so much and and again, makes that one rewatchable every single I watch it every Christmas. It it makes it, it gives it a a good timeless feel. You know, my my uh, sister-in-law is 16 and you would think that maybe a teenager right now wouldn't be so into the Muppets or, or would sure. be so into maybe things from the early nineties and she watched it without, without me knowing, but she watched it this past Christmas and she became obsessed with the Muppets and she thought it was so much fun. The songs are great. The, the it's, it just, it holds up really well.
0: Wow. I have not seen that since probably as a kid. Oh, next Christmas, it's going to come back out. You got it. You got it. <laughs> All right, Alex, what is the first movie that you ever purchased with your own money?
1: Man, you know, I don't know. But the first thing that comes into my mind was um, when Tropic Thunder was released on uh, DVD. I was a freshman in college. And I thought the movie was so friggin funny. I, it, I literally <laughs> busting up. I think I saw it three times in theaters. I thought it was just so funny. And so it came out on DVD. The day that it came out, I said to my roommate, um, hey, you know, Tropic Thunder. Have, did you ever see it? He was like, no. And I made my RA drive me to Target. So I could go buy Tropic Thunder so we could watch it that night so I could show it so I could show it to my roommate. (laughs) So that's definitely not the first movie that I ever purchased with my own money. But that is um, a movie that I purchased with my own money.
0: (laughs) An emergency movie purchase experience. Yes. What is the movie that you quote the most in your life? That's a really good question.
1: Um, I I like to think that I'm a well-rounded person person and i quote many movies um yes there's a quote in wayne's world that i take out of context and put in my own context a lot which is um the a gun rack you got me a gun rack i don't even own a gun let alone enough many guns to necessitate an entire rack what am i gonna do with a gun rack um I will change that into my own context a lot and just be like, do you want this? And I'll be like a a hat, a hat. I don't even have a hat. Like I, like I'll just, I, I I love the, the, I don't even own a gun, let alone. It's just the way that Mike Myers says that is so funny to me. Um,
0: so good. I forgot all about that, but yeah, it's like, Is it Garth that gets it for him?
1: No, no, it's his his dumb girlfriend. Yeah. He goes, what is this? And she goes, it's a gun rack. He goes, a gun rack?
0: (laughs) (laughs) He has that funny way of like pushing his neck back and puffing his chest He puffs his his chest chest out and
1: pushes his neck back, kind of cocks his head. He's like, I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns to necessitate an entire rack. What am I going to (laughs) do with a gun rack? She goes, fine. Well, you may lose me. He goes, I already lost you. Get the net, which is also <laughs> something that I'll say a lot of times. I'll be like, get the
0: net. Uh, that's like a deep cut Mike Myers. I'd say I, I don't <laughs> ever hear that one that much, but that, that's awesome. That's I feel crazy.
1: like I have some other like good ones that I, I pull out from time to time. But that's the one that comes to mind first.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. OK, sticking in that vein, what's the movie that makes you laugh the most? In, in the more recent world,
1: um, Best in Show, which I think is true comedy perfection. I mean, all the Christopher Guest stuff is, but I think Best in Show really, in my opinion, of all the Christopher Guest movies, that one is uh, is the pinnacle. It, every moment is just jam packed with something either that's being said or something visually something going on that is just so funny at its core, like deep down funny. And Kelsey and I are watching um, Schitt's Creek right now. And just Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy are so funny and so dynamic together. It's just I can't think of a bad moment in that movie. Every person in the movie is great. Every line, every character, every every movement, everything about that movie is fantastic.
0: Are you going to be mad at me if I say so you've never I tell you seen that it? I haven't seen it. Oh, my God. Our
1: dear friend, the two of us have a, a, a dear friend named Lee Chestnut. If Lee Chestnut knew that you have never seen Best in Show, I think he'd slap you in the face. Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> he, he might, actually.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Lee. <laughs> the second one I kind of already talked about is Tropic Thunder. And then, of course, I, I would be remiss in leaving out uh, both Airplane and Young Frankenstein. They're kind of in their own little world over here in the echelon of comedy. Um, but they're never not funny.
0: Yeah. Can't beat Gene Wilder. I wish I had more Gene Wilder movies in my life. Um, what is the movie that uh, scares you the most? Do you do you get scared during horror, horror movies? Do you watch them with the lights on? I don't watch horror movies. Um, <laughs> I, I, I
1: don't <laughs> like scary movies, per se. Um. So I have a few on here for that um, that aren't necessarily traditional horror movies, and they didn't necessarily scare me in a traditional sense of scaring. Um, I'd much rather prefer a, like, psychological suspense than an actual, like, slasher thriller. Yeah. Um, So the first two, which I kind of clumped together, one of them is an absolute masterpiece and the other is very good, but one of them is an af- absolute masterpiece um, is get out and us. When I saw get out for the first time, I don't think I've ever seen anything as deep as, and, and layered as get out. And it deserved absolutely everything and more that it won. Um, but there are so many things where it's just like, I sat there the whole movie with my head in my hands, just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like I I'm shocked. And then same with us, us has a little bit more of like the scare factor spoiler alert. If you haven't seen us, but there's a moment with, um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moths family. Um, that just like shook me in the theater. Um, so that was crazy. And then again, not in this, in the same, not really a scary movie, not really a scary moment necessarily, but, um, there were moments in Parasite that really were just like,
0: what?
1: Like, <laughs> scary what? Um, and if you've seen the movie, you know probably what I'm talking about. But yeah, that one was it. just another absolutely fantastic movie. Um, and then the last one I would put on... Um, is not a scary in any sense of the way that I've talked about before, but definitely more of a suspense of just a lingering suspense of like, what is going to happen? What is the payoff here? Is this movie just going to abruptly end at any moment Um, is
0: 1917. Oh yeah. Interesting that that you put that in your scary list because it's just, it's
1: not a, the way that it's told it's not traditional. It's it's told in a way of, you really don't know if they're going to make it, when anything will happen. Anything can happen at any time. And the first time seeing that movie, I wouldn't be surprised at any moment if the movie just abruptly ended. Uh huh. And it's because you don't know.
0: That's the brilliance of that movie is the camera is never not moving. You never know. Where the camera's going to go, where the characters are going to go and where the enemy or the danger is going to come from. So it's like even though it's, you know, not a full one take shot, it feels that way all the time because you never know what's coming. Well, again, and, I love that and
1: spoiler for the people who haven't seen it. Skip ahead like 20 seconds or something. But um, <laughs> but the one moment where it actually does have its first and I believe only cut. Um, when he, there's an explosion and, and he's kind of thrown to the side and it's that like at dusk, the stairwell, uh, yes, the stairwell. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, that's it. When, um, when he gets, when the guy, when he opens the door and then he gets shot, it's just like, I legitimately thought the movie was over. I was like, did did this really, like, is he dead?
0: Did this just end? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I, it was, it was shocking. And if it did end there, I would not have been mad because I was just like, this has just been an amazing cinematic ride that I haven't yeah. felt in you a almost long expect, time.
1: You almost expect it to be over and then some sort of like either a title crawl comes up explaining like he failed or like a different angle perspective comes in and you find someone finding his body. Like it, it, right. it's, it's that suspense that was
0: scary more than anything. I would love to have my memory wiped and watch that movie again in a giant theater.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll give it 20 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I don't know if you're much of a crier, but is there a movie that makes you cry the most? I have a, I have a guess at maybe what it would be. Knowing, knowing your history with, uh, with sports and I know that you're very close with your father. No, it's not going down that route. No. Okay. No.
1: I'm not much of a crier. I've only cried. I think I've only cried in um, two films ever. Um, one was hotel Rwanda. Okay. Um, and the other one, I saw it three times in theaters. Each time I saw this movie, I cried three times in the movie. One time that I saw the movie, I cried again, walking to my car after the movie, thinking about the movie.
0: Wow,
1: and that's Coco. Coco, Coco messed me up good.
0: Coco, Coco ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could. Coco got everyone, I think, but like, but for that one to be the one that gets you, and it's not like one moment; it's just the whole thing. Three different moments, and you don't play the guitar. I don't. What What is it that gets? <laughs>
1: No, it's the family connection. It's the, you know, I, when Coco came out, it was um, it was I had two grandfathers that had just passed. Um, and I had a grandmother who was not doing well, who has since passed. And so it was when it came out, it was just very it hit very close to home. Um, but it's also a beautiful movie.
0: Yeah. There's one line in there that hit me. I think it's the grandma that says it when she's explaining things. She says, you don't really die until someone forgets you. Or they are like, it's the last memory. Yeah, no.
1: So, so yeah, it's um, Hector is explaining it to Miguel and he say they were just with someone and uh, they sing a song and he like, he's like, he's a go- He's in the day area, the land of the dead and he's the skeleton and everything, but he's failing and they sing a song. And after the song ends, he just kind of disappears, almost like a, like Yoda in, <laughs> in, in Empire Strikes Back. And Miguel says, what happened to him? And he says, when, when you aren't remembered anymore, when no one in, on Earth remembers you anymore, it's called, I think they say it's called the final death. And no one knows where you go afterwards, but you're just not in the land of the
0: dead anymore that's a really heavy concept to put in a kid's movie. Yeah. Like I think I, like I definitely thought right then that I was like, who would that person be in my life right now? Like who would be the last person that would think of me? And that is so deep. Like I said, it's heavy for a kid's movie. <laughs> Coco was a great one. And then spoiler alert, pause your ears for 10 seconds. A great fucking twist that I don't know. Many Pixar movies can rival that or yeah. Disney movies.
1: Yeah, it's up there with like um, with like the twist and up. But uh, but no, it's a it's a good heel turn.
0: Yeah. What movie did you watch when you were young that while you were watching it, you thought to yourself, I am not old enough to be watching this?
1: Um, The first one that I thought of. Well, the first two that I thought of are um, 90s movies. The first one is uh, Cruel Intentions. Ooh. Um, And then the second is was the first R rated movie I ever saw. Um, Mm -hmm. and I saw it because a friend of mine was just like to my mom, like, please come on. He can come over and watch this movie. It's great. Blah, 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 blah. And I went over (laughs) to a friend's house and watched basketball, which Uh is, um, uh, for those who don't know, it's from the creators of South park. It's Matt and Trey. (laughs) It is hilarious. It is absolutely absurd. Um, but for like, a nine-year-old, 10-year-old kid, probably not the best movie to watch.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that movie. But I think my friend, Reggie Rhodes, he convinced me to go sneak, like, you know, do the whole we're going to buy this ticket and then we'll walk in and see this one. I think I felt like I was going to get in so much trouble that eventually I left because these jokes. So I was just like, I don't understand. This seems like it's it's really bad. I don't know. And I think I walked out without him and left. The other movie that I have on here, and it's
1: not I wasn't too I didn't think I was too young to be watching it because I think it came out when I was like 14, 15, 16 years old. Like, I'm fine with it. It's who I saw it with. OK, um, I saw Wedding Crashers with my dad. And in the first five minutes of those, that movie, I was just like, oh, I think I've made a horrible mistake.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of boobs in that first eight <laughs> minutes. <laughs> And so those come out of nowhere, out of nowhere. (laughs) Did you guys have some awkward talks after that in the car ride? No,
1: I think we just let the movie uh, continue on and and went from there
0: (laughs) (laughs) and let's get some ice cream. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So this next question, it can be taken a couple different ways depending on how you want to take it. Uh, Is there a movie that gives you goosebumps?
1: Yes, I think there's a few. So I think that the, um, the scene, the big climactic scene um, in Endgame. Um, I mean, I think if you if you were a big MCU fan and you didn't get goosebumps when all of a sudden portal opens up and Spidey jumps out, I don't know right. what's wrong with you. But, yeah, that just the music swelling, the whole thing that gave me goosebumps. Um, I I get goosebumps uh, at the opening of um Lion King, still to this day, oh. it's just something where like the music hits and it's just like, I'm ready for this. This is great. There are there's a moment in uh, in Jurassic Park when um, when Dr. Hammond says, "Welcome to Jurassic Park," and the music starts and or and not welcome to Jurassic Park. And so after they see the the oh no, he does say welcome to Jurassic Park when they're in the van and they're on the hill overlooking everything. It's just like you have you made dinosaurs and the whole glasses come off that whole thing. Um, Just that again, it's, it's the music, it's the music swelling for the first time, really getting the full, yeah, there you go. I'm getting it right now. That. And then, um, and then the last one kind of, kind of a different and out there again, another musical moment, but the first time that they play that thing you do, Oh. Um, the first time that they're on stage and they do it, because you hear it earlier in the movie and they're doing it as like a ballad, but the first time that Shade sits down and it bah, 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 and it picks it up to speed, it's just like, oh, this is it. <laughs> like everything comes together yeah. and it's it that I don't care what anyone says, that song is a great song. It's a fantastic song, and it missed out on best song at the Oscars for
0: some crazy reason. Uh-huh. Um it's so crazy that you we have the same Jurassic Park goosebump moment. It gets me every time. Oh, yeah. It's the first time they see the Brontosaurus. Mm-hmm. Well, the first the first dinosaur is essentially. Um, and like, you don't know what they're looking at yet. The music swells and then it just crescendos. It goes away.
1: And then it's a wide shot of all of them and the <laughs> whole valley. And you see the Brontosaurus and you see the the. um. Gallimimus? Gallimimus, and you see the like the pterodactyls flying over, and it's just like, oh, whoa.
0: Sam Neil's losing his shit. He can't stand up. Oh, so many good goosebump moments. I wish we had time to talk about them all. But we'll keep moving on. The end of the world is coming. What's the
1: best action movie? Um, Baby Driver, I think, has some amazing Ooh. action sequences. Yes. So cool. So, 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 so cool. And I love um Edgar Wright's uh, inclusion of like musical beats with everything, like it's all just fantastic. So good. Rogue One is the best action of all the Star Wars movies because it's a hardcore like war movie. Um, and it's, would you uh, say
0: that though if they did not include the Darth Vader scene at the very end?
1: Yes, because still, even everything when they're down on Scarif and it's the the battle. Like at one point when um. When Riz Ahmed's character is uh, is trying to, like, pull the thing, but he's stuck in the, the, in wire. the ship. Yeah. And trying to, like, re- realign the um, the antenna. Yeah. Um, like, that's like a good, like, saving private Ryan type, like beach explosions, like trying to get through war to do something. Yeah. Uh, moment. Moment. Um, and the last movie I have very not traditional but I would say into the Spider-Verse um, there's some, I, I think it's the best animated action that we've maybe ever seen. It's it's yes. Uh, there's a lot about Spider-Verse that is really interesting and really groundbreaking and really cool and yeah, that, and doesn't conform to a
0: genre. I that, that movie is so rewatchable. I think I've watched the opening of Spider-Verse probably 15 times because it's just, it's so tight. It's action packed. There's musical cues every step of the way. And they just do things that you can't do in live action movies. Um, you know, minus CGI. It just, it's all great. It's a comic book come to life, but not a comic book. It's just so cool. That's also what is great about that movie. Anyone can watch that. That even hasn't ever seen a Marvel movie. It's just, it stands by itself on its own um, accord. Yeah. What is, I can't wait to hear this answer. What is the sexiest movie of all
1: time? Um, so the first one I already said, which I think is Cruel Intentions. Okay. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot going on in there. Um, <laughs> and obviously it's a, it's a, it's a remake of um, Dangerous Liaisons, but with the more, you know, nineties um, twist. But I think anyone of a, of a certain age will look to that movie and just be like, That's a movie. Um, The other one, (laughs) I just I I included it because I have a funny story about it It is um, the first 50 Shades of Grey, which my, again, wife, now girlfriend or then girlfriend um, went to go see it. And the woman three seats over from us. So it was us and then empty seat, empty seat, empty seat. And then this woman was alone. And I I swear to God, may you strike me down if I'm lying she was moaning the whole movie. Oh, my it was so bizarre. <laughs> but it's something that Kelsey and I still talk about. It's just like, remember when that woman was just like moaning through Fifty Shades of Grey the whole time alone? She was by herself. By herself in a movie theater in Atlanta. Opening weekend of Fifty Shades. Oh, baby. In like the last row. <laughs>
0: Did you catch a look at her her face, her
1: age at the end of the movie? When- um, I to my memory, she was probably like late middle ages, like maybe like 50. Prime
0: desperate housewife. Yeah, it was wild. Proof that that is the sexiest movie. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so I know that. You and I and some of our other friends, we uh, we geek out about soundtracks. Um, Do you physically own a lot of a lot of CDs of soundtracks? I used to, you know, back when
1: when CDs were still really kind of a thing. When uh, when Kelsey, when we first found out that we were pregnant, you know, everyone always says, like, play classical music for the, you know, put headphones on the belly. So it's like classical music lame overrated um but what's modern classical john williams and so i made a a whole playlist of different movie scores that we would play um for that is so cool for our fetus and uh and i'll still play him for him time to time now when he now that he's out in the world
0: i can't wait to hear if he like has you know when he's 20 or whatever he has like this connection of like why do I know this song from? He, just, he like watches the movie for the first time. <laughs> he would always
1: get super active when I played Jurassic Park. No way. Super active.
0: Uh, to be continued. On, yeah,
1: we'll tell you, we'll tell, tell you in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so what's the, what's for, the best, for best soundtrack? For everyone listening, he's eight months old, so like <laughs> he's not watching Jurassic Park yet. Um, the best soundtrack. Uh, probably E.T., that's probably my favorite soundtrack. Yeah. Um, I just always have a very, um I don't know why, for any. there's no particular reason, but I just always feel like I have a very, like, deep emotional connection to the E.T. soundtrack. Um, and inside the E.T. soundtrack for a very brief moment is Yoda's theme um, from "Star Wars." What? Uh, in the Halloween scene. When ET's dressed in, has the bed sheet over him and he's walking and he sees Yoda and he goes home, home, home. And for a really quick moment, John Williams is a friggin' genius because for a <laughs> quick moment, it goes, and then they just continue on. He just snuck it in there. Yep. Jeez. Really smart, really cool. Um, but yeah, ET is just, you hear it and I, or I hear it and I just, you know. I feel different. You know, I love Indiana Jones. I love Star Wars. Like I love all the John Williams stuff. It's, it's great. And others, everyone, you know, there's other great um, composers out there, Silvestri and Horner, um, but Newman, um, all the Newman's. Um, but there's something about the ET soundtrack that really just kind of hits me. And like I said, I don't know why, um, but it does.
0: Yeah. It's hard to choose your favorite soundtrack. I think it's almost harder than choosing a favorite movie. (laughs) Yeah. What movie does most of the world hate or dislike, but you
1: love? I would say, which is actually not a good movie, but it's just fun, is Uncle Drew, um, which is. Don't know what that is. So Uncle Drew uh, is it stars Kyrie Irving, uh, the NBA player and Shaquille O'Neal and Reggie Miller and. Uh, Lisa Leslie and Chris Webber and real people. I think Nick Kroll's in it. Um, uh, Lil Rel is in it. Um, Was this
0: before Space Jam came out? This was like two years ago. (laughs) Okay,
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's based on Kyrie Irving's um, commercial character persona from, I think, a Mountain Dew commercial. It's so funny. It's so good. Kyrie Irving. They're all old men but they're like playing basketball, but it's fine because like Shaquille O'Neal is like an old man and Reggie Miller is like an old man, but they're playing basketball against these guys, but it's Shaq and it's Reggie Miller and it's Kyrie Irving and they're great. So yeah, it's not a very good movie, but it's a really good movie. So (laughs) I did not know they made a movie out of that commercial. Oh my God. I saw it on opening night. I have no shame in that. It's I loved it. Um, (laughs) And then the other two I would say are both Criminally underrated because they're really good movies and I don't know if the world hates them, um, but either people didn't see them and they have a negative opinion on it because they feel like it didn't do well. So it wasn't good or people did one of them. People did see some people saw it and just were not a fan. So the first one, that one is solo um, a Star Wars story. Um, Yeah, shame. It's really good. And I feel like a lot of things happened around that time when the movie came out um, that did not lead to it being successful. But it's actually really good. And if people just went down and sat and watched it, they'd be like, oh, this is actually really good. Um, There's just kind of this like negative air around it um, for very unfortunate reasons. But very good movie. The other one. Literally no one saw this movie. I think I'm the only person who saw this movie in theaters. Um is Pop Star. Never stop, never stopping.
0: <laughs> you may be. You may have got the one ticket. I think that was it you. is
1: so good. It like it is so good. It's so, so, so good. I saw it multiple times in theaters. That's
0: lonely island, yeah. right? That's there. that's
1: the crew. Yep. Um, it's, uh, it's Lonely Island crew. I'm looking it up right now. Pop star never stop, never stopping had a domestic box office, total domestic box office. Screw that has a total worldwide box office of $9.6 million. Ooh. Um, so I'm the only person who saw it. Um, <laughs> it is so good and it is so funny and you need to go see it. You need to go
0: see it. I've always been interested in I've never seen it. I mean, it's I think what probably went wrong is everyone thought that it was just a Saturday Night Live, like, you know, commercial parody. I don't know what people thought if. Yeah. if I mean, it's I think people got too
1: connect, like thought that it was too much of like. Making fun of Bieber, which in a way it does, but it's. It makes fun of like the entire I mean, there are definitely Bieber moments where it's very point. I mean, the title is Never Stop, Never Stopping. And Bieber's movie documentary is um, it makes fun of the whole industry. You, and everyone they got Ringo to be in it. They got Questlove to be in it. They got Justin Whoa. Timberlake to be in it. Like, I mean, I'll say it again. They got Ringo Starr to be <laughs> in this movie. Um, it's great. It's fantastic.
0: Wow. I'll have to put it on my list. There I can n- cannot
1: recommend Popstar enough. <clears throat>
0: <laughs> I, I think it's the, the funniest
1: movie of the past five years.
0: What is the movie that means the most to you? Not because of the quality of the film, but because of the experience that revolves around seeing that movie that will make you remember it forever.
1: When I was little, my grandma, my mom's mom, uh, I'm one of nine cousins on that side of the family. And we all mm-hmm. I'm from L.A., Um, All my family's in L.A. Um, Whenever a new Disney movie would come out, my grandma would buy tickets for all of us together to go see whatever new Disney movie uh, was out. And we go to the El Capitan in Hollywood. Cool. And so for me, that's like the prime time of Disney of like Disney Renaissance. So we're talking. Lion King, Hercules, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, like that whole era toy story for me, the two, the two that really stand out though, are, um, Lion King and toy story. Um, I remember going to those, I remember waiting in line for those toy story had this whole exhibit set up next door to where, where the Mm -hmm. Jimmy Kimmel theater is now where he's, uh, where he shoots his show. Yeah. They had a whole exhibit set up where like an interactive thing where you became like the size of a toy quote unquote. And they, you know, you were in Andy's room, you were in the backyard, you were doing this. And so I remember all of that. And it was very, very cool. But so the two of those really remind me of my grandma. And then the other two, my, I call him my grandpa. He, he is my grandpa, um, but it's my dad's stepdad. Um, So not a blood grandpa, but so, uh, and he's. Um, still with us. And so I, I tell him this all the time. And I, he was, he was a film producer. He was a movie producer, um, by trade. Um, if you've ever seen Brubaker, uh, starring Robert Redford, or if you've seen Crow, which is a very cult classic, it was in the era of star Wars. It was Liam Neeson's very first movie. He produced both of those Luke. Something you and I have always talked about is he had this computer program. On his computer, when at the <laughs> dawn of the internet, and I always forget the name, and I always text Luke, I'm like, What was the name of the thing? and it was called Cinemania 94. And it had all these clips from different movies. It had, um, you know, Frankly Scarlet, I don't give a damn. It had, uh, it had Wizard of Oz. It had, yeah, Casablanca. It had all that stuff. But the one that I would watch over and 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 over. And over uh, was the Darth Vader Obi-Wan fight.
0: Oh, yes.
1: I don't remember the first time I saw Empire Strikes Back. I don't remember the first time. To- like, I don't remember the first time that I saw the reveal. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the first time that I saw uh, Return of the Jedi. I don't even necessarily remember the first time that I saw Star Wars as a whole. New Hope. But the first Star Wars anything that I saw
0: was that battle. Yeah. Was that fight? Yeah. So that, it was like a two minute clip. Over and over and over. That was the longest one on Cinerama. (laughs) And
1: that got me hooked. And that turned me into the Star Wars fan that I am today. And so when I watch Star Wars, I think about him. And then the other one is when my sister and I were little and we would spend the night at my grandparents' house. Again, my my dad's uh, mom and stepdad um, to help put us to sleep. uh, They would play the score of Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Um. And so when I hear the the, the da, 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 like the opening piano, mm-hmm. um, I think I think of my grandparents for that
0: too. Alan mm-hmm. This is a great soundtrack to fall asleep to. It
1: really is, and just the score. Um. You know, it wouldn't be the yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be the songs, but the the it's it's really
0: it's it's beautiful. Oh. What's the movie that you are most excited to one day show your son?
1: Well, I mean, as we've talked about, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So Star Wars, I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. So Back to the Future. I'm a huge E.T. fan. E.T. I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. Are you sensing a theme, Indiana Jones? <laughs> but besides all of those very basic, very generic answers, which aren't basic and generic for me because they all hold very deep emotional <laughs> connections for me. Um, but I'm excited to show him Mel Brooks, I'm ex- the producers. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs. I'm excited to show him Christopher Guest, Spinal Tap, Guffman, Best in Show. Um, And I'm excited to show him Muppets movies. Um, And that will probably be before before any of the ones that I mentioned, just because of what they are. Um, But the Muppet movie, Great Muppet Caper, uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, Christmas Carol. The new Muppet movie, uh, The Muppets with Jason Siegel. Um, Muppets Most Wanted they're all great I mean Muppets in Space Muppets Treasure Island they're both great too Um, but it's, it's Jim Henson really did something cool and special and that first Muppet movie is so so good the
0: Muppet movie I did not know that you had such a connection to, to Jim Henson. That's pretty cool. I love the Muppets. Love the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see you supporting much Muppet gear, though, in, in, in the real of... <laughs> world. No, but still, I do love the Muppets. What order are you going to show Star Wars in? You know, I, I have time
1: to think about that, but it's, it's not something that I have not thought about. Um, and I, I think about um, often. So I, I don't know. Um, I'll let you know in a few years.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Your time capsule is getting full here. What movie would you choose to put in the capsule that would sum up the good of humanity?
1: So two, we've already talked about E.T. I think that that's, I mean, for, for obvious reasons, compassion and, and, and respect for one another and for nature. The other I would say is uh, Mary Poppins. Oh, I think that it, there are some some good lessons of humanity in there. Um, and then the other one is a documentary. Um, it's the the Mr. Rogers documentary, the Won't You Be My Neighbor. Oh,
0: God bless it. There's there's a lot of deep good in there. That movie, that movie got me last year. I was I don't think I cried, but I was so choked up at the final um, the reading or the playing of the old tape from mr rogers and everyone's just listening to it something about uh, when people cry on camera it makes me cry watching them yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it was it's a great it's a great one but i think that those three if those if you're trying to say like what are good human messages of of you know kindness and compassion and and empathy and and tolerance and open-mindedness and all of that. I think those
0: are three um, good ones. If you can only spit one out into space and hope that an alien catches it in their ship, which one
1: probably not ET. Cause they'll be like, what the hell is this? That's not what we look like. Um, uh, maybe Mary Poppins. They'd be like, they have witches <laughs> in, in Britain. Do they fly.
0: <laughs> we don't fly. We don't know that they may. We might someday soon. Yeah let's say that you have minutes to get to your bomb shelter and you have just only a few minutes to download one movie that you can play on your laptop and go into your bomb shelter with what movie are you going to take with you that you can play for the remaining years of your life? Just one to put on loop forever. Yeah, just back to the future. Just back to the future. Yeah.
1: I feel like there's a, I mean, can I run all three movies into the same disc or
0: the same download? <laughs> I hope you have time to 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 burn that DVD. Yeah.
1: Um, no, I mean it's yeah. I think that I think that that would be it. It's just it's it's got everything. Yeah. It's yeah. timeless. It really? <laughs> is. Which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> they were able to create something that is truly, truly, truly timeless. It it ages so it ages better every year. Um, it really does. It's you know they they set out to make a time travel movie and the bad thing about time travel movies is you're always inherently wrong unless you go backwards because then you're right because you can't be wrong about the past because the past happened you can be wrong about the future which you know part 2 they intentionally made it so ridiculous that of course they were going to be wrong of course they're not going to be flying cars in 30 years you know that in the time of you know 1989 1985 of course, they're not going to be flying cars in 30 years. They made it so ridiculous that, of course, they were going to be wrong. But they knew that. But if you go to the past, you're going to be right. Yeah. And that movie could be made today the same exact way. There's nothing about it where a kid today, you know, a 10-year-old today, who was born in 2001 um, or 2011, yikes. So a 10-year-old today, born in 2011, isn't going to watch that and be like, well, that's solvable because he would have a cell phone now. He would have this now. He would have that now with technology. Like Home Alone, people watch that and it's just like, well, you know, if that was today, you just call the cell phone and go, you good? Okay, cool. And it's done. Like, of course he wouldn't have a cell phone. Because even if he had a cell phone, he goes back to 1955, that cell phone's not going to work. So everything about the movie is so well put together and planned and timeless and, and perfect. It really is a perfect movie.
0: Yeah. And it does get better with time, at least for my time. It's, it's honestly gotten so much funnier with every year that I watch it. It's, it's also a thing where as you grow up, the movie kind of
1: grows up with you. And so there's things that are going to be great for you when you're this age, there's things that are going to be great for you when you're this age. And there's things that are going to be great for you when you're this age. Um, as you get older and you learn more, you know, when you're, 10 years old watching the movie, you may know nothing about the 50s. But as you get older and, you know, you've gone through high school and and you've learned about history and you learn about things that were going on in the 50s. And you if you like music and you learn about Chuck Berry and, you know, you you mm-hmm. you catch things that you may not have caught when you were little. Um, and it literally it just gets better. Perfect film right there. Back to the future. Perfect movie. Nothing, literally nothing wrong with it.
0: All right, Alex, this is a uh, low budget show, um, so we need to close your time capsule, but I need you to provide the Foley sound effects for your capsule closing. <laughs> OK, uh, well, what's the time capsule made of? That's up to you. It's your capsule. Okay. Just... <sighs> there you go. That's it. Alex Horwich is... Capsule has been closed. Alex, this has been so much fun. I wish we could keep going for hours and hours. Maybe we'll do this again. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great.
1: Thank you. No, this was, I had a ton of fun with this and it was great to think of these movies. And, and, you know, I, you know, and we've talked about this at lengths uh, in our friendship, but it's, there's nothing better than movies. It's, there's something for everyone in there. So.
0: There's nothing better. If people want to uh, find you on Letterbox or on Instagram, where do, where do they look? It's super easy. It's just my name. It's Alex Horwich,
1: H O R W I T C H. He's got them all, and I'm there. All right. It's an easy name to snag the uh, the handle for. Not a lot of Alex Horwiches out
0: there. Yeah. Don't look for Alex Horwitz, who is the filmmaker. Don't don't get confused with that. Or Horwich Or o hor- oh, Witch. There's only one O. just one all right Alex thank you and I want to thank uh, Brett Goldstein for inspiring this podcast I hope this has encouraged you to check out some new movies or maybe go revisit some old ones Um, listen uh, I gotta go but I wanted to tell you that it's been educational (laughs) (laughs) thanks Luke